Hi, welcome to City Scene with Mayor Mike Cahill. I'm your host, Walt Kosmowski. And Mike, welcome to the studio. Good to see you, Walt. Good to see you, Mike. And uh, Mike has brought some uh, special guests with him today. And uh, we have right next on Mike's right, another Mike, Mike Collins, who is the Commissioner of Public Services and Engineering for the City of Beverly. And on his right is Tom Knowlton. And Tom is the Executive Director of the Salem-Beverly Water Supply Board. Did I get that right, Tom? That's correct. Okay, long title, but here we go. Uh, what we're gonna talk about today is uh, water. And we're gonna talk about Beverly's water and where does it come from? And uh, what uh, do we do to treat the water? What do we do before and after uh, we, we use the water? So uh, I'm gonna throw this question open to, to uh, uh, all three of you there. Uh, it, when I'm in my kitchen and I turn on the tap and water comes out of my tap. So explain, where does that water come from and, and how does it get to my, uh, to my sink? Why don't I start and then I'll get out of the way. <laughs> uh, I, you know, we, we've been talking about this and we feel it's a timely conversation to have because there's been some concern regionally uh, about drought conditions in Massachusetts, particularly Northeast Massachusetts. Um, we're incredibly fortunate that uh, some thoughtful people over 100 years ago and, and well, beyond, well earlier than that uh, made accommodations for Beverly and Salem to, uh, to have a, a water supply that is not reliant upon seasonal, um, seasonal flow and in fact is water that um, we take from the Ipswich River during the winter and spring months when the river runs high and that water is just flowing out into Ipswich Bay, into the ocean. Uh, we take our water at, th at those times, store it in the Putnamville Reservoir in Danvers, which the Water Board owns, in Wenham Lake, uh, which the Water Board owns, uh, and then we have a, uh, also a backup reservoir, Longham Reservoir. So we store the water that we'll need for the year, and in fact, we are able to store enough water that we, we don't go through it in a typical year. Uh, and then we use it as, as we need it throughout the course of the year. Uh, but I'll, uh, that's just kind of a, a snapshot. I, I thought it'd be great to have these gentlemen here because they have a, a lot of the history and a lot of the engineering behind, behind our resource. Very good. So maybe, Tom, do you wanna, do you wanna No, explain? I can give you a little bit of the history of the system if you'd like. Uh, Salem has had a public water, their first public water supply system was constructed in 1795, which was basically a wooden conduit from a spring on Gallows Hill down to Townhouse Square. And uh, it was installed by the tavern owner in Townhouse Square who thought if the horses could drink out front, he could uh, do better for the, uh, their masters. <laughs> And uh, Salem had several private water systems uh, that served them up through the Civil War. And uh, they apparently made some money, but they provided uh, very poor service because Salem is, as you know, it's either ledge or blue clay, and there's not a real source of uh, water in Salem. So the Salem was growing after the Civil War and uh, they needed more water for the industries and also for firefighting because they would have a number of fires and wouldn't be able to deal with that. So right after the Civil War in um, 1865, uh, Salem petitioned the legislature for authority to use Wenham Lake as a source of supply. And in 1869, they built a pumping station on Wenham Lake and then laid a uh, water main uh, through Beverly, down Rantoul Street, actually created Rantoul Street, I think, 
Uh, Mike could speak to that, but to get water from Wenham Lake uh, over to Salem. And then they had uh, their water celebration. They turned on three or four hydrants and were very pleased that water came out. Uh, so that was the beginning of the system. Uh, Beverly, downtown Beverly was supplied by Salem at uh, that time for the businesses along Rantoul Street. Uh, by later in the century, by uh, 1887, Beverly wanted its own water supply. So they built a pumping station as well on uh, Wenham Lake, and these were steam stations uh, to supply their system. And uh, very soon after that, with the two cities, with Beverly at the late 1800s was starting to grow quite fast. And the two pumping stations exceeded the supply. So in 1895, they, the two cities working jointly uh, built a Longham, a dam across Longham Brook to uh, uh, take water from the, what is basically the headwaters of the Miles River and bring it down to uh, Wenham Lake for storage. But that uh, only gave them uh, a temporary reprieve. And by 1900, again, they were looking at water shortages in the uh, cities. And, <coughs> excuse me, but in a rare uh, fit of cooperation between New England cities, uh, they decided that instead of fighting over water supply, they would ask the legislature to create a body that could develop a joint supply for the two cities. This went through the legislature, and they uh, hired what was in the early 1900s the best uh, environmental sanitary engineer in the country, Alan Hazen, who uh, wrote uh, legislation for the board and um, gave them an idea of uh, where they should start to uh, develop a supply. And I have, I found uh, last night a quote from the 1913 from the first uh, uh, work of the Water Supply Board when they're talking about uh, what they are trying to do. And they had been talking here about uh, the shortage of supply. And then they go on to say, this situation which cannot be left as it is without grain, uh, this is a situation, the shortage of water, uh, cannot be left as it is without grave danger to both cities, the industries and inhabitants. Within a few short more years more, water will be, all, uh, water will be pumped out of the lake, uh, the more water will be pumped out of the lake than can uh, be collected in the average rainfall. And sooner or later, a period of drought will occur which may make it impossible to deliver any wholesome water to the consumers at all. And then they go on to say, some communities confronted by a similar situation have delayed the procurement of additional supplies until the shortage actually occurs. But the result has been to waste large sums uh, in uh, temporary expenditures when the crisis arises. Besides, uh, great injury to the credit of the city and to... Uh, the risk, uh, increasing the risk of waterborne epidemics. An adequate supply of wholesome water is a necessity for the modern community, and no progressive American city can afford to take chances in this matter. The only prudent, sensible, and economical course is to anticipate the dry years which are sure to come, and then to introduce a new supply is therefore a necessity before it actually arises not at the time or uh, afterwards. There is no question in the minds of the board 
that an immediate addition to the water supply of Salem and Beverly is imperative. Uh, that, uh, and the time to install it is now, and that it must be adequate in dry as in well as in average years. Minimum, not average conditions, govern in water supply matters. And the new sources uh, must be adequate to meet the droughts of future years. So this is the philosophy that they started with right from the get-go. Yeah, and, it, and, it, and it applies today as well. And it right? applies today as so well. So fast-forwarding, um, the, the Beverly's water essentially comes from the Ipswich River. It does. And this was where the board in 1913, uh, working with Hazen, they were looking where they could get a water supply. And they, Hazen recommended that they, as well as the State Department of Health, recommended that they go to the Ipswich River as a supply, and, and that's what they developed. Now tell us, uh, tell us, it's very interesting, I just discovered this a few years ago, uh, walking my dogs, um, where th there is a something called the Salem-Beverly uh, Waterway Canal that yes. connects uh, uh, with, the, uh, with the Ipswich River to a pumping station that pumps the water then into uh, Wenham Lake. Tell us about that. Uh, no, the canal was uh, built in 1915 it was the first major job that the new water board took on uh, to supplement the water supply. And they dredged with a steam dredge a canal two miles long through Wenham Swamp uh, to high ground down behind Cherry Street where they could build a pumping station and pump water uh, from that station, the high flows in the winter from the Ipswich, over into Wenham Lake. Mm -hmm. So this was the beginning of the supply right. of, the, of the water board's work. Yeah. Now maybe I can turn to Mike Collins now. And, and Mike, you, uh, uh, Tom Knowlton mentioned that the, most of the water is pumped in during the winter. So describe for us the, the kind of the seasonality of when we pull water out of the Ipswich River, what happens to it, how is it stored, and how does it come to us? The, the concept for how we get the water out of the river was derived right at the beginning when we asked the state for permission to use the river as a water supply. There was a recognition by us, by the board, and by the state that the river is an inadequate supply of water in the summertime. It was, it was pretty heavily polluted at the time in the summer because there was a lot of sewage going into the river. And um, even back then, we were the first to use it as a water supply. But even back then, the river would tend to dry up or the flow would get so low it was, it was not a, a suitable source of water in the summer. So the permits we were issued by the state, in fact, don't allow us to take water out, <coughs> never have allowed us to take water out in the summer because they didn't want us to build a system that relied on a resource that wasn't there. So um, as it is now and as it has always been, we take water out just in the winter months and then only when there's enough water in the river um, as measured at the various gauging stations um, so that we, can, we are truly what we call flood skimming. We're just taking the excess water, which would be going to the ocean anyway, um, and that water is pumped. In, now the way we work it is we pump that water to Putnamville Reservoir. And it's really, it's a, it's, it's a brilliant system for a lot of reasons. The fact that we're taking water, which is at, at the time when the river can most afford it, um, when, when the flows are extremely high, um, and we're leaving a base flow in the river so that any possible natural uses are met and we're just skimming off the top, filling up our reservoirs. The water that we take out of the river is very, very high in organics like it, like it would be because it's basically coming out of a swamp. And that water can be difficult for us to treat. So the, so the board's engineers devised a system where we can put it in to Putnamville. We can store quite a bit of water, about 2.5 billion gallons in Putnamville. Yeah, 2.3 billion 2 gallons. 2.3 billion gallons in Putnamville. 
and we don't use that water for at least six months or so. And all that time, the sun actually bleaches the color out of the water. So we're getting free treatment from it, which as an engineer, you really can't do better than that. Um, so we're taking the water only out of the river in the, in the, at the highest flows and only in the winter months. So that when the summertime comes around, all of our reservoirs are full. And, we, and we're just, just relying on our stored water for, for, um, for the two communities' water use throughout the rest of the year. Now, I'm going to ask you to, to describe the, the water treatment uh, facility and, the, and water treatment. But I have, a, I have an image that I'd like our cameraman to, uh, to hone in on. Uh, and uh, I'd like to kind of so our, our viewers can orient uh, themselves to uh, what, we're, what we're talking about here. So um, there we go. So this is, this is I-95 going up north, and this is, uh, this is 128. And the city of Beverly is down here. You can see the, the airport here. And um, uh, the um, Wenham Lake is right here. So... Um, Route 1A kind of does this, uh, 22 is here, um, and 97 comes up this way. So the, the, the ocean would be right down, right down below us here. And on this side, this is, this is the Putnam Reservoir. And I have um, uh, indicated here, uh, up on top, this is, this is actually the, um, the Ipswich River. And the, the actual canal, the waterway, comes down there and it's two miles long. Did it's I hear two miles it? long. Two miles and it, it ends just at a little pumping station just off of uh, Cherry Street. This is Cherry Street here, and then it's pumped into uh, into uh, either Wenham Lake either or Putnam Lake or at Putnam. This point. So that you can, from this map, you can kind of orient uh, yourself. The, the viewers can orient themselves as to what we're talking about. So let's let's take it from there then. So the the, the water is in Putnam Reservoir. It's in it's in Wenham Lake, and we have a water treatment plant uh, there. What what happens at the water treatment plant? The water treatment plant was first built in, it was first laid out by Hazen in 1913. It wasn't constructed until 1935, but it is a, uh, what's called a full conventional water treatment plant. We take water in from Wenham Lake and it's um, treated with a coagulant. We use aluminum sulfate, which reacts with the water and forms an aluminum hydroxide precipitate. And the, the chemistry, most of the chemistry in the water treatment is to get all the things that you don't want in the water that are in the lake, the color, bacteria, turbidity, stuck in this aluminum hydroxide, what looks like little snowflakes in the water. We settle as much of that out as we can, oh, between 70 and 90% of it, depending on the uh, time of year. And then after the, we have settled out all the things that will settle out, we take the water and put it through uh, multimedia filters which are two feet of anthracite coal and a foot of sand underneath. And this uh, strains the, uh, any other material out that uh, hasn't come out in the sedimentation basins. We use coal because it gives a coarse filter and then uh, fine sand, the sand underneath acts as a fine filter. And then these things get backwashed uh, every day just like you would a pool filter to wash the, the material out. And, Put the filter back in service. So the water that comes out of the water filtration uh, plant uh, on, on Wenham Lake goes to both Beverly and Salem? Yes, we put the water into a four million gallon uh, reservoir at the plant and then the two cities pump their uh, water from that. Each one has what's called a high lift pumping station. 
that's pumping water into that distribution system at fairly high pressure. Mm -hmm. Now, uh, I like to um, uh, tell our viewers, I, I did a little bit of research, and the, the Ipswich River actually supplies water to, to the following communities. Uh, Beverly, Danvers, Hamilton, Ipswich, Lynn, Linfield, Middleton, North Reading, Peabody, Salem, Topsfield, Wenham, and Wilmington. And I do believe, uh, and Tom, maybe you can uh, speak to this, I believe that, that Beverly, Salem are the largest uh, users or take the most water from, from the we Ipswich River? We probably take the most water from the river. Peabody is uh, probably next. Lynn takes some, but they also get uh, water from the Saugus River as well and they have a connection to the MWRA. Mm -hmm. So um, Salem and Beverly are probably the largest users in the, in the basin. If I could, well, one, one of the reasons that we feel it's timely to have this conversation is there has been concern regionally about the drought. There has been talk in the, in the newspapers, and some of it is, it is confusing. The reality is that Beverly and Salem, as members, as the two members of the Salem-Beverly Water Board, we draw our water from December 1 through May 31. We draw our water only when there's a threshold net on any given day of so many million gallons of flow in that day. Right. So we're drawing water, as, as Mike and Tom have both said, uh, on days and at times of the year when it's water that's going out to sea anyway. What's going on now is we've been in this drought situation for several months, and the communities that directly draw from the river through wells during really year-round, that, that's, what's, that's the real problem right now. It's so dry, they're not able to draw what they need. And the, what they're drawing is, is, is impacting. So there's a real concern, and everybody's got water bans, and everybody's conserving, and, and necessarily so in those other communities. We are in a much better situation because of the nature of our supply and our reserves. We do, as well, though, are looking to, to conserve just because you know, we, we, we want to be thoughtful and forward-thinking mm -hmm. in a continued manner if there's a real, you know, extended nature to this drought. Mm -hmm. And I know, again, Tom and Mike have some, some information on, you know, what our supply is really meant to withstand. Uh, and also, maybe, you, maybe if you guys can talk a bit about that, and I know you're going to want to talk about some, some conservation measures yeah, before we're out. We are, yeah. I know that uh, we were going to, I was going to ask the question, and you answered it very well, Mike, that the reason that if we go a few miles outside of Beverly and we go to these other surrounding communities, they've got water bands, but because of what we just discussed, the fact that we take the water during the winter when there's plenty and store it, then Beverly hasn't been faced with that, with that kind of thing. Now, uh, if, if you look at a, a, a longer, uh, longer range scenario, you know, with global warming and things changing like that, um, uh, people are going to wonder, okay, we, we, we have a, a drought year this year, but we're still good. Uh, what about, you know, our children and our children's children? Is, is it, is it, uh, can, we, can we expect that the Ipswich River and the, and the system and the process we're using now to be, to be available, you know, dependable, inexhaustible supply of water for, uh, you know, for our children's children? Or, or what, what, could, what could happen? What, what might we do differently in, in 30 or 40 years? Some of this is going to depend on what Mother Nature does because it's hard to look too far into the future. But the Ipswich River has above us anyway, about 100 square miles of watershed area. So we can calculate how much water is available from uh, on that uh, amount of uh, land because all of that drains down through the river. If we were looking at global warming, 
some of the scenarios that I have seen for looking out maybe 20 or 30 years would be looking at probably wetter winters and drier summers. So this would uh, uh, speak, speak, <laughs> speak, speak well to uh, what we're trying to plan. Yeah. Yeah. Now, let, let's talk, the mayor mentioned, uh, uh, even though uh, we're, we, we seem to be sitting in the catbird seat as far as in Beverly as our availability, what can people do on a on a day-to-day -day basis to help conserve water? Any any suggestions? What does the water department uh, uh, say uh, about that? Ideally, you're looking at a water supply for servicing the community, for water, for people to drink, uh, for sanitation and for firefighting. Uh, the place that we use a lot of water in the summer, which is not really essential, would be to water lawns. And uh, we would uh, speak to the issue that, uh, of uh, people, if they're going to conserve water, the easiest place to conserve it is just not uh, use as much water watering lawns or don't use any water. The lawns will come back. Mm -hmm. And this is a good way to uh, conserve water. Yeah. Mike, let me ask you, do you remember a time in, uh, uh, that Beverly has had to uh, curtail water usage uh, uh, for, for its residents in the, in, the, in, the, in the recent past? No, I mean, because of the robustness of the supply and it can withstand any given year's temporary situation, you know, we have a, a supply that will span more than one year. Um, we haven't had to restrict <coughs> water usage. Um, it's interesting because of the nature of our supply and when we, when we do get our water, the rest of the water suppliers in the region uh, spend their times literally sweating it out in the summer, worrying about supply, where on our end, we're much more concerned about what's happening in the winter. That's when we have the deep conversations about water supply because we need that precipitation to happen in the fall and the winter and the early spring so that we can refill our reservoirs and survive what we know are the driest months of the year. And when the most evapotranspiration happens, that means when the trees are using the most amount of water, uh, that's one little tidbit that we, we talk about amongst ourselves that of all the rainfall that falls in the watershed in a given year, roughly 42 inches for this area that's historically been, 10% of that water volume ends up going to water suppliers. So 90% of the water that falls as rainfall within the Ipswich River watershed is either used, either goes to the ocean or is used by plants and trees or is soaking into the groundwater to recharge it. Um, so we as water suppliers are a very small portion, less than 10% of the total usage of, of all of the rainfall in the Ipswich River watershed. So that makes it difficult when, when we're trying to be looked at as the only way to fix flow in the river. That's just not going to happen. Anyway, um, it's important for us to, to, it is important for us now to look right now and say it's been a very dry summer. And the climate is different than it was in, in certain ways. And climate change, by whatever means, is a certainty of life. So we need to be careful. And as Tom said, the quickest and most effective way is to don't use any water at all watering your lawn. Just let it go brown in the summer. It comes back. It's green in the spring and the fall. And brown lawn is kind of a fact of life in the summer. We know right outside the, the school here it's yeah. brown. <laughs> there are varieties of grass that tolerate it much better. We have some tips on our website, on the, on the beverlyma.gov website. Um, on what types of grass you could plant and, and some um, other water conservation tips. Um, each year we partner um, with uh, Greenscapes to uh, run some seminars and, and um, have some mailers that go out and 
they have their own website with some other tips, stormwater related as well as as, as water conservation related. So, um, it's, it, it's even though we have a very robust supply, it would be foolish to not preserve what we have and to plan for the worst case scenario, even though we, we hope that yeah. doesn't come. Now, we've talked about what we do with the water before we use it and using the water. So I, I wash my dishes and I, I let the water, the soapy water go down. What, we don't just let that water drain out into the ocean. We must do something with it beforehand. Tell us what happens to the water after it's used before it's, it's dumped into the ocean. And that's pretty much Mike's uh, department. Yeah. Is, uh, <laughs> that's, I mean, now you're talking about the sanitary sewage district. Okay. It's at the other end of things. All right. So, yeah, what's used at, in our homes and businesses goes into that system and over to South Essex Sewage District in Salem. But could we talk for just a minute, Walt, about, um, you know, where we're headed regionally? You know, um, we've got, at the end of November each year, when we hit the point where we can start refilling our reservoir, on December 1st, we typically have between 50 to 60% of our, of our reservoirs full at that point between Wenham General. Lake and Putnamville. General, yeah. So in a given year, we're not, we're not using more than half of the water that we've stored. Um, there's more storage capacity in the region. You know, uh, there's more opportunity to build another reservoir. Right. Uh, there are a number of communities who year in and year out are not figuring out their problem. You read, you read the, the list yeah. off. And if it gets dry, they're, they're up against it. Yeah. So, you know, it seems to me that, and we've already started a conversation about uh, the thought that the water board may really, may well ought to consist of more communities. Some of our neighboring communities at some point maybe need to come in. We need to make some investments in the uh, plant and the treatment plant in terms of capacity and modernizing. We need to, um, and when I say we, I mean co collectively, state, federal, local, yeah. uh, need to build infrastructure to bring water you know, from a new reservoir to the plant to get water out to other communities. But really, year in and year out, this problem happens. Yeah. And, and the communities that are most susceptible to it need a better alternative. Yeah. Well, I, you anticipated my next question, and that, that was going to be, and I was going to ask Tom, wh what sort of relationships and what sort of discussions do you have with other water control or, or other agencies in, in, in the area? We've had discussions over the years, usually in, when droughts happen, and droughts are predictable. You know you're going to have a drought probably every 20 years or so. So these are predictable. We have looked at trying to... Uh, build a more of infrastructure with other communities. But in the past, when the water board was uh, first formed in 1913, uh, they tried to involve Danvers and Peabody in that the same way South Essex uh, did later, but there was no interest. Uh, during the 70s, we looked at ways to try to regionalize water supply in the Ipswich River Basin. And again, uh, no one was really interested in it at that time. There were some reservoir sites that were uh, identified in the 70s and um, except for the one that we purchased uh, in, in uh, 83, 82 and 83, uh, nobody has really worked to try to develop their supplies. Mm -hmm. But as I read the water board right from the get-go, understood that it needed to develop a supply that would sustain it through droughts. And the drought of record is the three-year drought in the mid-60s, 63, 64, 65. And the water board has designed a system that will enable it to get uh, through that drought. But you have to design water supplies. You can't design them for average conditions yeah. because then half of the time you're going to be in trouble. 
you have to design supplies that can uh, withstand a drought. And that's, it in, involves spending a lot of money to protect your, basically insurance, to protect yourself for those dry years that you know are coming. And the other side is the, the floods are reasonably predictable and you have to design systems that are not gonna wash away in a, uh, in a flood. Yeah. So you're looking at, and the engineering part of this is designing for extremes, not for average conditions. Yeah. Yeah. Now just quickly, the, the sites you mentioned that were developed in 82 and 83, what, what were those sites? We have a reservoir land for a, we can, Used for a future reservoir okay. in uh, Topps Field, okay. and we bought the that because it was the it was oh, the last. So we own Bedford City. Bedford owns the, the land. Yes, no, the water board. The, the water, water board owns, owns the land. land. Okay, and it can be developed in the future for another reservoir if this becomes necessary. Mm -hmm. There was a large reservoir that was sited uh, um, in uh, in Ipswich that was never developed, and I think the land uh, or it was never set aside. So that now that the land has development on it, so that probably is not going to be a viable okay. reservoir in the future. Thank you for that, Tom. Well, uh, we're about out of time. Uh, Mike uh, Cahill, uh, uh, Mayor, I'd like you to maybe give us some final thoughts on our conversation today to uh, to our viewers. Mike, you haven't? I mean, I, I feel like I've, I've kind of thrown them all out there. Mike, I, I, want I, to wrap with? I just think that with, with all the press recently about the Ipswich River, I just want to to make it clear that the water suppliers with the water board have were, were the, really the first agency to look at trying to protect the river, trying to remove all the sewage contamination that was in the river in the early years, and also designing a system that would allow the river to, to remain as, in as natural a state as possible. Um, so we've spent a lot of time, a lot of effort, and a lot of money trying to design a system that it has, has the least impact on the river. And I think we've been quite successful at that. Um, and... and um, um, you know, I'm proud of the engineers that came before us, and and uh, we're as forward-thinking as they are. Um, I'm proud to carry on that tradition. <laughs> well, thank you, Mike. And gentlemen, I want to thank you for, for uh, being our guest, uh, Tom Knowlton, Mike Collins, as usual. Mike, thank you very thank much. You and I'd like to uh, remind our viewers that you have been watching City Scene with Mayor Mike Cahill. I'm your host, Walt Kosmowski, and we'll see you next time.